I don't know if it'll recover much from where it's at, but um, the right eye, I had cataracts removed, and then I had uh, the fifth layer of my cornea replaced. <laughs> so, uh, right eye is coming along. It's getting a little better. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was noticing that one day would be good, the next day, not so good. But uh, with God's help and with lots of prayer, uh, slowly but surely, I would see that I had two days together that were good, and then I'd had four days. And I uh, told Ben on Wednesday night that I would be preaching this Sabbath, and because they're both preaching, two elders, and they're both preaching elsewhere. <laughs> oh boy! So uh, anyway, I uh, was uh, pleased to be able to announce that my eyes were doing a lot better, and that I would be able to preach today. And then I brought an extra pair of glasses just in case I thought I had a switch. <laughs> so, and I have my safety net behind me as well, <laughs> magnifying glass. So um, anyway, there's a lot of people depending on having a message today online. And even our daughter is uh, not able to travel uh, to the Denver church because of the, uh, the distance and the cold weather. And uh, so she said uh, that she'll be watching it. And we said, well, sorry, it's not immediate. Uh, the same day as it's recorded, it's uh, later by a week, maybe two weeks, maybe longer. But uh, it will be there. So the sermon for today is uh, when you're under pressure. Sometimes we think that we, we're the only ones that have pressure. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's very common. So what to do, I guess, would be another way of wording this. What to do when you're under pressure. And pressures come from all sorts of things, from activities with people, activities with the car and insurance or um, the work that you're at, or all, all kinds of things can start bringing pressure on you. And we have to have a way of, of looking back, talking back to ourselves and getting God's help on our behalf. So a special verse to start off with is in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 and 7. Um, I'm going to be reading some from the Bible, some from my paper. Uh, I had some on the computer and uh, um, I thought, I I'm just going to do it the old way. Paper and this good book. <laughs> so um, I had already figured that out before I left home, but I brought the computer anyway. It's like I need a... Um, uh, safety net or uh, a blanket. <laughs> Little children need a blanket and a thumb, you know. Uh, maybe I feel like that today. But this verse in First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, it says, Humble yourselves before, uh, oh, pardon me. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may be, oh boy, my eyesight again is getting me. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So that's delaying our reactions a little bit. The time has to come. The due time has to come when God will step in. Verse 7 says, casting your care upon him for he careth for you. 
This verse really came home all of a sudden to me when I was working on ships and I was a radio repairman and all kinds of equipment on the boat, but radios, they all had names for each boat. And one guy had a name for his boat called Who Cares? Now that's a kind of a strange name for a commercial fishing boat. And when you'd call the government office, you know, and you'd say uh, the name of the, the station that you're calling three times, and then you say who you are, and you say, who cares, who cares, who cares? <laughs> uh, I often wondered what the government office thought, but they could look it up in the ship list and realize I was using the correct name for the boat. So in going um, on the steps that I want to go through today is expanding your thinking about God and godly things, expanding your looking, what we should be looking for and what we see, you know, this, this sort of thing, and expanding your hearing. We've got to pay attention, we've got to listen, and so on, use our senses, and expand our talking to God and about God, both, and then also expanding our doing for God. What kind of things would we do for God? Um, personal things, but also corporate things and so on. What, what are we doing? Then we expand, expand your going. You're going for the Lord. Uh, remember in the scriptures it says if, you, if you're going to go, you need to have uh, a thought of, of what you're going for. Why are you going? Who are you and what are you doing uh, in the going? Go for God. If it be the Lord's will. That's always a, a good one to keep in mind. So here we go. Uh, expanding your thinking of our Heavenly Father. How do we perceive Him? What are we thinking about uh, how, we, uh, how we go to the Heavenly Father? And one that always gets me is the, you're thinking of, uh, um, in the Bible you're reading about David, and uh, there's going to be an attack, or there's going to be a trouble, or there's going to be this or that. What did he do first? He went to the house of God. Went to the house of God, and he prayed had the uh, proper church officials pray for him as well, whether they were Levites or they were the, uh, the priests of the day, uh, uh, and they had monthly orders and so on. So, but he went to the house of God and went to ask, what should I do now? So this verse uh, reads this way in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Well, you've got to think that one over a little bit, don't we? If we want peace in our life and peaceful things happening around about us, we can trust and depend on Jehovah God. When you read the scriptures, sometimes it'll say capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D for Lord in the Old Testament. Well, when you look it up, it'll say Jehovah or sometimes in my King James, which I really like, it has a center reference. And when you look in there, it'll have a little number beside the word Lord. And then in the center column, it'll say Jehovah. That's really God's name. And the Hebrew people wanted to kind of hide God's name uh, to protect it from people using it falsely or badly. So uh, they just would put in the L-O-R-D. In the New Testament, we take Lord with a capital L 
and the rest of the letters lowercase, and it most of the time means Jesus. <laughs> okay, so a little difference there, but many Christians fail to keep their mind on the Lord. I've run into a lot of Christians over what is it, fifty, fifty years, sixty years, really, when when we were just barely married. I wanted to go into the ministry before that. And I was teaching the adult class in my church in Canada. And uh, uh, teaching with, at age 17 and 18 and 19, uh, you know, it was all relative, wasn't it? <laughs> I was more of a moderator, I guess. But uh, Pearl and I had planned to go independently to Missouri for me to go to ministerial school, study for the ministry. And uh, it wasn't happening, and we were not saving money like, like we were going to need to have. So we got married first. <laughs> and in eight months, we had paid off all the things that needed to be paid off. I had um, got my immigration papers figured out, and um, with Pearl's help, <laughs> um, we moved in eight months all the way to Missouri. Can you imagine my parents saying, what is this American woman doing to my boy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went to Missouri for two years and then back to Canada for 22 and then back to the United States. I immigrated twice. I liked it so much I immigrated twice. <laughs> so to say. But I immigrated again. And we've been in ministry ever since that time. One thing or the other, working with church work, either working at the church high school in Michigan or uh, in churches in Missouri Oklahoma, um, Washington State, Canada, up there as well, and uh, uh, back to Oklahoma. We liked Oklahoma well enough that we came back twice. <laughs> came again second time. <laughs> second time. Anyway, what is our thinking about God? Is He on your mind often or enough? Oh yes, I had lots of time to do other trades. Um, Ended up getting five trades, got certificates and, and college grades and certificates and um, oh, what's another word for them? But degrees of one kind or another. Supporting myself while I was pastoring. It's only been here and there that I received a portion of pastoral salary. But many Christians can't seem to do two things at one time. I have a problem with that myself, but... How do you keep God in everything? That's a challenge. We need to keep God in everything. People let evil thoughts linger in their mind, can distract them, pull them away. They're under pressure. And uh, before long, they've lost their way. And they come under bondage of sin and other things that are going on that can bring them into bondage. We must replace evil and negative thoughts for good and wholesome, positive ideas. And Philippians 2, verse 5, I'll have to look that one up, because actually I want more there, because this is going to give us some really good advice in Philippians. Turn with me in your Bibles. I use the King James, got used to it way back when and uh, enjoy it. So I'm reading from the King James. Philippians 
Ephesians, Philippians, here we go. Philippians chapter 2. If you read only one verse, that would give exactly what I'd like to, to hit on, would be verse 5. But there's so much more here. I, I want to go back to verse 1. It's nearby. Let's go to verse 1. So that's Philippians chapter 2, and we'll start with verse 1. If there be any consolation in Christ, if, this, this is using it three times here, real close together, that's giving us a chance to analyze our own mind. How do we look at it? Our, is the if for us, or are we if, if you're passing by, you know, are you just going to let it go? So if this means something to you, if there's consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love in Christ, of course. So it's rhetorical questions, they call it, right? When you know the answer, but you've been asked anyway. Uh, if any comfort, yes, there is comfort in Christ. If any fellowship of the Spirit, of course there is. If any bowels of mercy, or bowels of uh, any bowels and mercy. Uh, I, I was looking those up last night as well, whether they're separate or together. But bowels of mercy. Do we have mercy? Does Christ give us mercy? Does Christ teach us mercy? So we've got to let that go one extra time to think about it. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms, what do they say? Selah. That means stop and think of what you just heard or read. Oh, Okay. So let's keep going. Fulfill you my joy, it's Paul writing to the Philippians, that ye be like-minded. He's challenging the Philippian people and say, why don't you be like-minded like Christ? Well, I just told you some things Christ does. Why don't you be like that? It's a challenge. He's hoping that we take the challenge, that we live that way. Fulfill you my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one, one, uh, of one mind. So he's going back and renaming those things and saying, why don't you do that? That was Christ-like. You want to be Christ-like? You want to be a Christian? Christ-like? Following Christ? Why don't you do what I just told you about Christ? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, doesn't say others, other, any, anybody, better than themselves. That's a little hard to do when you want to esteem others better than yourself. And sometimes you think, well, I already mentioned some things about myself this morning. Should I have left that out? But Paul gave his resume so many times in jail, so many times in the deep water for three days. And fought lions. He, he gave some resume. <laughs> okay. So this is not for your own vain glory is what he's getting at. Okay. But whatever's in Christ, then that's coming yet. That's going to be here. Uh, verse 4. Look not every man on his own things. Oh, that's a strange... Now, if you stop with only that portion of the, of the text or, or, or the line, the sentence... Why, why don't you mind your own business? Wow. That's pretty hard. 
Or is that what he's really hitting at? But every man also on the things of others. Now that's different. He's saying you could just do all of for yourself. But that's not right. We need to be doing it for others. Helping others, teaching them, helping them grow spiritually. Help them walk down life's way. When they got heartaches, we should be able to feel it. Every man on the things of others. That's, that's really what Christ would do. Let this mind be in you, which it was also in Christ Jesus. He said there's been a lot of writing about what Jesus was like, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and so on. Um, the, uh, there's been a lot of writing what Jesus was like. Why don't put that mind in yourself? Live that way. Good, very good idea. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God? He didn't try to pretend something he wasn't. He was the Son of God, and what he did was for praise to the Heavenly Father. He didn't say, do this for me because I, I need the pat on the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was doing it for the Heavenly Father. But made himself, Jesus made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He knew what was going on. He knew where he was going, what path he was on. And he became a servant to that path that the Heavenly Father had laid out for him. And being found in fashion of a, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly esteemed him, highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow from the things in heaven and the things in, in earth and the things under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, when you start thinking through it, you say, okay, you find out Jesus is Lord. And then you think, he's the, our Lord, he's our master. He's our Savior. And who's getting the benefit out of this? Who's getting the glory out of this? Heavenly Father. That should be our attitude, our way of doing things, so that God would receive the glory. That's, that's what that is all about. So I want to jump on further now. Uh, I've got another one here in uh, Colossians 3. So that's not far away. Colossians 3 and verse 12. I'll start with verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Are you the elect of God? If not, you better be. Whoa, yeah. Put on, therefore, as who you are, the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Oh, now that's cutting it a little close home, isn't it? We need to do like Christ would do if he was there. Let's, let's go just a little further on this one. And let the peace of God, we, we want that to happen. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. 
our world is upside down and everybody's mad with everybody else and mad at everything that's made. Um, we need to think differently. We need to expect good, expect things different. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called. This is our calling, something that we've got to do for God. Don't let those things get to you in body. We're called in our body and, and who we are, where we are, where we find ourselves. Uh, we need to do it right for the Heavenly Father. And be ye thankful. Most people don't want to be thankful. They're upset with everything. They're angry at everything. Upset with the people they work with. They're upset with this. They're upset with that. Yeah. Next verse says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whosoever ye do, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. There's like, Solomon said, the whole duty of man. You do that and you're doing good. You've got plenty on your plate. <laughs> okay. That's a lot to do. And that's what's, we're expected to be like Christ, Christ-like, and to behave ourselves like Christ. And just have a song in your heart. And be ready with hymns and, and spiritual readings and so on. Be, be ready to talk always of spiritual matters. Okay, and the next part here would be expanding your looking uh, excuse me, uh, unto Jesus, the Son of God. When we look to Jesus, what are we thinking? Who, who are we talking to? And th there's no way of expanding that meaning very, very well, except I think of Jesus as the second in command of the universe. Oh, yeah. I guess I would bow. I guess I would kneel. You know, the, the, the logic. We have to think about how powerful Jesus is. He's not just the child at a certain time of the year in a basket or whatever. Um, he's not the, uh, the one that died on the cross and you're looking at somebody that lost because somebody killed him. No, that's, that's not the kind of Jesus we serve. He conquered death. He didn't just go there and just die. He became our Savior. And he had to do that step. He had to go through that. And he did it, did it right. Otherwise our salvation would be nothing, would not be there. He did it right. So we're looking to Jesus in a different sort of way. The scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Right, and that's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking a different way, understanding who Jesus is. Some Christians only see the faults in other people and bad in circumstances. We've we got to push that aside. We don't need to think on the dull things, the bad things. Uh, we need to look for the good things. We must strive to see the good in others. And in our circumstances, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. He never fails. I like a story we saw, a video, 
little girl was talking to a pastor. She was new in town, and he was out in the field preaching loudly so that he could practice his sermon. His wife sat way back somewhere, and uh, he was yelling at the people. And she said, you know, my dad did differently. He was a missionary, and he wanted people to know that Jesus was love, God was love, and there was happy things in the Bible. She said, you know, we should be looking for the happy verses of the Bible. That preacher all of a sudden caught himself at what he had gotten into. He was honoring the lady that owned the town, <laughs> preaching whatever she told him to preach. And he was mostly yelling at the people. Then he realized, no, there's so many happy verses in the Bible. Good reasons for serving God. We've got a phenomenal God. We've got a phenomenal Savior. You know, haven't we got something to say? <laughs> you know, isn't there some good things we could find? And he changed his whole life and changed the town as well. So yeah, we can do that. Jesus never fails. In looking at uh, some of these, uh, in the finisher, the author and finisher of our faith, in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 8 um, would be a good place. Let, let me look there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I was hoping I could say from memory, but it's not coming very quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to go over this way a little further. Chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? When we're helping others, helping ourselves and so on, we need a beginning and an end to what we're doing. The finisher. Beginning and end. Well, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to be the end. He's going to come as judge, master, savior. He's, but the work is already done. He'll give us life eternal. You know, th this is a, a special day. But you want to be there blameless. Um, I always think of the guy that pulled out a thing from his hand and he had a notebook written, things that he had done good. And he said, when he gets there to the Golden Gate, he's going to say, here you are, add up that lot and see if I get in. And <laughs> that is not how it's going to be. We have to have that planned and ready. We won't be writing stuff down. It's in God's book. <laughs> and those that think on the Heavenly Father and think of righteousness, where's that? Just one chapter back in the Old Testament. One chapter back, God says that he is looking for those that think on, on him and do for him. That think kindly, and he thinks on, the, on us, those that want to serve him. Okay, let's also go to First um, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter three and verse thirteen. Chapter three and verse thirteen. To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness 
before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints, all his saints. The idea is to establish our hearts unblameable. You can't go to meet the master and say, well, I haven't fixed that yet. You're going to go home and fix it now when you're at the master's door? No, you've got to have it done first. You've got to do all those things right. Be ready to meet our maker at his coming. Okay, going forward here, uh, we need to expand our hearing from God's holy word and Holy Spirit. In uh, Oh yeah, I looked up four verses here. Maybe I can try to uh, cover this a little quicker. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it talks about the Holy Spirit moving over the water and bringing creation to, to happen. And in Genesis 6, 3, uh, I'm going to have to peek at that one, I think. It's about the Holy Spirit again. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yea, his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Things went downhill pretty fast from being 900 years and so on. Uh, and here we're only in these chapters. God's spirit. God's spirit. It's not a different spirit or, or a different way of referring to it. It's just, it's God's spirit, the Lord's spirit. And like I say, that L-O-R-D, all in caps, is the Heavenly Father. You can look it up in the Hebrew and so on if you had a mind to. In John 15, verse 26. So this is an interesting, go to John. Uh, there's two chapters, 14 and 15. So turn to John and see what Jesus had to say here, what John had to say. Okay, we want uh, chapter 15 and verse 26. But when the Comforter, that's the Spirit of God, when the Comforter is come, whom I, Jesus, will send unto you from the Father, and you're kind of getting these in the right order now, even the Spirit of truth, so the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth is the same thing, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, testify of Jesus Christ. You can get these connections between who's in authority, how much authority, who's giving glory to who, uh, the Holy Spirit is not taking the glory on himself. He's t- referring that to Jesus. So, yeah, um, the Holy Spirit is very, very important in our life. And what about chapter 14? Just one page back, one chapter back. Chapter 14, and would you know, it's actually the same, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost which the Father will send in my name. Heavenly Father's going to send it. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher, a helper, a comforter, 
uh, sent from the Heavenly Father to do extra on Jesus, things that bring it back to our, our memory so that we can enjoy Jesus' way of doing things. That's hearing. What I'm thinking, we need to hear the Holy Spirit talking to us and, and enjoy it, that it's, that it's there for us. The Lord speaks to us sometimes through a still small voice, uh, more than that. <laughs> um, the word and the, from the scriptures, from the Holy Spirit itself, faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God, hearing God talk to us. That's in Romans 10, verse 17. Um, despite the pressures of life, we must take time to hear the, from God. He speaks in a still small voice sometimes, like 1 Kings chapter uh, 19, verse 12. And we need to do it without delay, I wrote here. Because, you know, God sometimes gets upset. If you're reading in the Bible and you're reading and all of a sudden God's upset, and he speaks with a loud voice. And the ground shakes and the mountain smoke. And, you know, <laughs> uh, which would you rather have? The calm, gentle voice of the Heavenly Father? Or the harshness of God? Because there's a day of judgment coming and it won't be soft, it won't be hard, it won't be gentle and quiet. And things are going to happen. There's going to be thundering and lightning. And yeah, we, we'd rather, we should fix it first, right? <laughs> fix our way right with God. Expand our hearing to hear Heavenly Father talk to us. And expand our talking about God. When, when we meet people, we should be talking to them about spiritual side of their life. Um, talking of all his wondrous works, it says in Psalm 105, verse 2. You don't know what to talk about God? Well, read some of the Psalms and talk about who this God is and what he can do. And we're right now, uh, we're, we're not keeping up with months, but we read through the Bible every year. So we've read through the Bible about 40 times at least in our married life. Well, I don't have a page marker in here right now, but we're over here in uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah. It's pretty long, and we're about two-thirds of the way through, and some of it is really comforting, really drawing from, from each Jer Isaiah as well as Jeremiah. Isaiah is amazing. The last half of it especially is amazing. And Jeremiah, wow. Think, even though we've read this just a year ago, it is like it's all new to us again. You know, <laughs> we want to hear it again. So we can do that and we'll have something to talk about to friends and neighbors, people at the, at the grocery store and so on that we can talk about the Heavenly Father. We need to be talking to our family, our relatives, the neighbors. Um, sometimes you'll get a nice response. They say, God bless you. And they'll say same to you or something. There's some reaction between the two and that's a blessing. We can say it again plan to be help um, and tell about the plan of salvation many of them know that Jesus was a baby at one point some know that Jesus died in the spring and uh, they say that he was 33 and a half year that's six months um, when he died but they celebrate his birth at the wrong time um, if he's a half year old in the spring Guess when his birth was, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but there's always something that we could talk to people about in, in spiritual matters. Just say something to them. Uh, even some kind of comical thing that would attract attention to people to hear something about salvation. Talk to them about the soon coming king, Jesus as judge and as the king, king of the earth. It's going to rain a thousand years. I mean, that's pretty long. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, something to talk to them about. Yeah, ask them, uh, are you ready to meet the Lord when the trumpet blows? And they don't know what you're talking about. They don't know that verse. And yet, if they went to any funeral, that verse is there, read every time you go to a funeral. <laughs> okay? When the trump of God blows, something's going to happen. Expand your doing for the Lord and for Jesus. Uh, every good work to do his will. That's in Hebrews 13, verse 21. Every good work doing the will of the Heavenly Father, will of Jesus. Uh, many Christians put on personal pursuits way ahead of God's work. That's not a good idea. In Titus chapter 3, in verse 8. Let's find that one. Titus. Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things will I that thou affirm constantly, not just once a week, not once a month, once a year, affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. A lot of churches say, don't talk about works, do any works. It's all free. And we find out even our society doesn't work that way. <laughs> and this says that we need to be careful to do good works. These things are good and profitable unto men, unto everybody, if you do good things. It's profitable. We need to glorify God. Uh, there's verses about glorifying the Heavenly Father in John 13, John 21, 19, Romans 5, 15, verse 6, 15, verse 9, and Colossians 6, 20, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13, 1 Peter 4, 16, I could spend time on all of those. This could be quite a lengthy study if we did all of those verses. What's it all about? To give glory to the Heavenly Father. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here. Okay, let's keep going. Expand your going with God. We walk by faith, not by sight. Make sure that we have this faith in front of us, that we've we act certain ways, we behave a certain way, we respond a certain way because of our faith. We walk in faith, not by sight. Almost everyone is on the go, going somewhere. We must be more than that. Be, care, be faithful in church attendance. I know many of the people hearing this on the internet, you can't get to a church because of climate, behaviors, um, weather, but you can have your own church in your home. 
He used to do that in the Bible time. You look there in John, the people that meet at your house. You go over here, they're meeting by the water. And the ladies prayed. Right? Home services are very important to keep the faith, to keep going to God. And we can always go and visit the elderly, the lonely, and all other people that are in situations that they can't get out of. Uh, we need to phone them or send these videos to them or something so that they get some interaction with the Bible. That's really important that they get interaction with the Heavenly Father and the Scriptures. We need a witness to the lost. It's not like throwing your pearl before the swine. That's, you know, what's the use is what that verse is talking about. If they're not receiving anything and they're going to buck back at you and bite back at you, don't, don't, don't go there. They're not going to receive you anyway. Jesus told him, you go to that town and they don't receive you. Stomp your feet and get the dust off of it. Well, we don't do that nowadays, right? <laughs> but it's almost like if it's not worthwhile, why linger the cause? <laughs> um, but when you get a chance to witness, you need to tell them something that maybe you can get through. Maybe you're the one that'll reach through to the people on the other side. Maybe you're the one that will call them. So we need to witness to the lost and, and uh, bring the unchurched to the Heavenly Father. So looking back on what we talked about, we need to expand our thinking and expand our looking, expand our hearing, expand our talking about the Heavenly Father and Christian circumstances. Expand your doing for God. Take the challenge. Expand the going for God. Who's going to go? Remember that verse back there? Who's going to go? And the prophet said, I'll go. Your pressures on your life will turn to peace. In John 14, it's my closing verse. John 14. John 14, verse 27. 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let it be afraid. The world we're in is afraid, afraid, afraid of everything. Everything's fearful. You listen to the weather forecast and they just rattle it off because it's like they're so afraid they've got to get it said fast. <laughs> they're scaring you on purpose. Uh, you have heard now how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. That should be not a fearful thing. That should be something that we can hang on to as a blessing. Jesus is coming back. Wow. Right, we can bank on that one. Uh, don't be afraid, because he is coming back. Uh, if ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said I go to my Father, for my Father is greater than I. Some say God and Jesus are co-equal. Whoops, they've missed that verse. Right? They did. 
They missed that verse. God, Jesus said, my father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, he might believe. That's ahead of the time when he's going to go through a lot of persecution, a lot of trouble. It's going to be nailed to the cross. Are they going to crash? He said, I'm leaving my peace with you and I'm going to come back. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Satan and evil people have nothing in Jesus Christ. 31 is the last verse here. But that the world may know that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do arise let us go hence. He's giving them a commandment. The Father gave Jesus commandment. Some say, no, no they're co-equal. One cannot tell the other to do something, right? God cannot sell, send Jesus if Jesus is equal to the Heavenly Father. That, that, you know, that's strange stock, strange kind of visiting. And here he's saying, no, the Father's greater than I am. And the Father gave me commandment to do this, to come to the earth, to witness, testify, get... Uh, disciples, be killed on the cross, pay the debt of sin for the whole world. If they want it, they can have it. If not, it doesn't matter to, to the people. But they just don't want it. They don't accept Christ's offer of salvation to us. But he said, God, Father gave me a commandment to do that, and I do it. I'm done it. I did it. So let's be that for Jesus as well, to be there in in the Heavenly Father's place and to bring honor and praise to the Heavenly Father. May God bless you.